Hey guys, David Reeves here. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Hope you enjoy. And remember, you can catch a new episode every Wednesday at noon central on all your streaming devices. Most of these podcasts have visuals, so if you want to see the entire video, check them out at creationsuperstore.com. They're available on DVD or digital download. All right, let's get to it. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. In each episode, we talk about breaking discoveries in science, which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Check out our other resources at davidreeves.com. Sign up for email updates to have encouraging nuggets sent straight to your inbox. Subscribe to our free monthly magazine and like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. Join me today with my guest, an emergency room physician who analyzes prophetic patterns that he finds all throughout the scripture and relates that to scientific fields of discovery. We want to look at what real science is today on Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders that we find all around us, an infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. You know, God's fingerprint can be found everywhere, from the farthest galaxy in the cosmos to the microscopic world of genetics and DNA. But ultimately, all scientific fields are drawing us closer to an understanding that the universe shows design, not accidental chance. You know, that includes you and me. You are wonderfully made. And we're giving you the tools that you need to defend your Christian faith. We're going to kick it off right now with this week's Heavens Declare. We're on a, a game drive here. Uh, and we just came across a, uh, a white rhino in the distance. If you can catch this, this is really, really neat. There's, there's two of them there, a male and a female. The smallest of the five living species of rhinoceros lives in Southeast Asia and can weigh up to a ton. The biggest species is this one, the Southern White Rhino of Africa. They can weigh up to three tons. During the Ice Age, woolly rhinos were painted on cave walls in Europe. Today, that species is gone. Another subspecies has only two females left, and the small Sumatran rhino species has less than 100 members living in preserves in Southeast Asia. So what characteristics did God give such a large and majestic animal? A rhino is built long and low. Even the biggest stand only the height of a tall man, but they stretch out up to 15 feet long. Their bodies are sturdy and their legs are short, but strong for their size. What's amazing is how quickly such a tank-like animal can move. A rhino can sprint up to 30 miles per hour and can switch directions very quickly. So if you get near their habitat, it's best to be in a vehicle like I am and make sure that they have their space. You do not want to have a rhino charging at you. Now studies show how rhinoceroses live is extra challenging for scientists. 
They're plant eaters, so they don't want to eat us, but they do startle easily and just want to be left alone. They don't even want to be near other rhinos most of the time. At least, because of their poor eyesight, we can watch them safely from a distance, but there are things about how rhinos communicate we just haven't been able to discover. The rhinos were carefully designed with an especially good stomach for digesting tough plant materials. The white rhino has a mouth shaped just right for eating the grasses of its home turf. Now the black rhino and other species eat more leaves and stems with their pointed lips, which brings up a very good question. Why are there black and white rhinos when they're all gray? It's a play on words. The Afrikaans word for wide is weit, so they called the white rhino the wide-mouthed rhino. Once we'd used one color for our English name, well, it was easy to add another one, especially since the black rhino is so fond of mud baths. The fascinating features of these creatures are no accident. Mutations driven by natural selection don't produce new complex design features. So where did the rhino come from? A recent BBC article candidly admitted that the evolution of their animal group is a mystery. But the mystery is made a little more clear if we begin with every major animal group in existence since the beginning. That's exactly the world that the biblical book of Genesis describes. Created animals reproducing after their own kinds. I'm David Reeves. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. And now let's meet my guest. Dr. Chuck Thurston of Science and Wonders is an emergency room physician with over 30 years of experience. Between medical mission trips and long night shifts in the ER, he has traveled the world documenting many of the infallible proofs that confirm the biblical record. Welcome to the program, Chuck. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's approaching 50 years, half a century of that kind of stuff. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so how did you get, how did you get into uh, the medical profession? I was interested in biological sciences. I saw that the only person in my neighborhood who did not have to worry about strikes and things was the physician. Yeah. I didn't have any idea that they made the kind of money that they do, which uh, proved to be useful, but it helps finance the other things. And I wanted to know what makes a table hard, what makes blood fluid. What, what, I had to know the details of it, and I found those details in the Bible. So you found those details in the Bible, and yet that kind of stuff is thought to be, well, you find those answers through science. What's the difference? Well, that's a label that's been applied to us by the, um, what I call the theological left, yeah. the minimalists, the people who don't think that the Bible's real. And they do everything they can to dissuade people from seeing the solid science that was developed because of the Bible. And so we are being uh, uh, divided out. We're, we're, we're to keep our fantasies and our faith. And their, their definition of faith is a belief in something you know perfectly well is not true. Yeah. Well, that's not faith at all. Hebrews says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. seen. There's evidence okay. and there's substance. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's not ephemeral. That's not a cyber thing. Okay. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, there are two solid pieces of evidence. You have to have evidence from what you hear and you have evidence of what you read. Okay. And so that evidence has to prove something. And we did a radio program for seven or eight years called uh, Evidences Think Radio on WRFD AM 880 in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And we had everybody from all the different uh, ministries on and they all said that they did not believe in creation and that they were evolutionists until they accepted Jesus as their savior. Huh. 
And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and, and the, the truth, truth shall make you free. Yeah. He's the truth. So when you know the truth, you're blind to the obvious until you know the truth. Right. So science has two parents. The father of science was not Galileo Galilei. Everybody okay. says he's the father of science. Well, he was doing science that other people had worked on for millennia before him. Yeah, it, it is not science versus the Bible. Okay. Because modern science parents were not Galileo and somebody else. Okay. The parents of modern science were, was, were the Protestant Re Reformation and the Gutenberg Press and the, and the Bible. Yes. Until the word, when the Word of God finally got out to the general public and everybody could read it for themselves, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, they could import it into their lives. Yeah. And the publication of the Bible was the multiple different labs reviewing the thing uh, so that in the Bible it says that every matter be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. The fundamental precept of the scientific method is multiple laboratories revealing reproducible results. Now there's a, there's a parody journal out there called the Journal of Irreproducible Results, which means <laughs> it's not science and it's a joke. Okay. It's, it's kind of like a Mad Magazine version of scientific journal. Okay, so in other words, it's well known that the scientific method involves something that you can, if it's good science, it can be repeatable. In any laboratory by anybody else, not just by your favorite political party, not by your, just your uh -huh. financial person, not, not by, by your supporters, not by uh, your, your particular religious group. Any laboratory using the same standardization, standard temperature and pressure, uh, yeah. should be able to reproduce the results and report them. And so that's when something gets peer reviewed in a journal, then other people repeat the experiment. And if it continues to be consistently true, yeah. pretty soon it becomes a law. But it starts out as a hypothesis. Okay. A hypothesis is something below thesis, and thesis comes from the word God, the hmm. mind of God. Like Theo, yeah. And he did not give people curiosity to look for something that he knew perfectly well wasn't out there. He gave us the curiosity to investigate the universe for things like gravity, for things like planetary motion, for things like life, yeah. for th whatever, you're, whatever, whatever you're searching for. Nobody goes into a bakery assuming there's no bread there. Right. No scientist makes a hypothesis assuming that there is, it couldn't be true. Uh -huh. Once evidence begins to mount, then it becomes a theory. Okay. As soon as there is no controversial evidence at all, then it becomes a law, and that's a law of science. So you start with a hypothesis, and that could be just something that you're wondering about, something that you, you want to explore further. And then once you start that research process and begin to gather clues, then all of a sudden you're dealing with more of a theory. All thoughts are self-talk. Okay. You're talking to yourself, and you're hearing yourself, okay. and you ask yourself these questions. God put those questions in. Where, Werner Gitt has a wonderful book called In the Beginning Was Information. Yep. Where did the data come from in the first place that you're looking for? You're assuming that there was an order to find if you're looking for order. Okay. If you don't think it's ordered, what are you doing looking for it? Huh. If you don't think there's bread in the bakery, it shouldn't be in that store. You don't go looking for, for, for bread in the, ga in the gas station or the tire store. All right, so what's happening with the modern scientific community? They're looking for evidences of naturalism, basically. They don't want to admit that there is a God. Well, anything that can be an alternate explanation from some divine intervention. Okay. But ultimately, everything comes down to uh, a divine intervention. You know, people say, well, the Big Bang. Right. So where was that first, you know, the scientists came to God and they, and they had, uh, were able to create life from, from dirt. And yeah. God said, make your own dirt. 
<laughs> yeah, we don't understand that it was already there and the order of the information is there and he gave us the curiosity, the, the tools. Uh, there's a famous quote from Galileo that says, God did not give people the curiosity without the ability and to use it. And it's wrong not to use your curiosity to find the things God put there. Yeah. That's Galileo. Uh-huh. Well, well, so Dr. Werner von Braun, famous for sending men to the moon. I met him when I was about seven. <laughs> that is, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, I, I, we were visiting Florida. I didn't, uh, I've never had the opportunity. But he I don't once, think he remembered. <laughs> he once stated that um, a lot of people look at science and religion as antagonists. And the way he put it was, he said, but they're not. Science and religion are like sisters. While science tries to better understand uh, the creation, religion tries to better understand who the creator was. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's creation and creator, and if interpreted correctly, they go hand in hand. But not just any religion, right? Because with all of these pagan gods throughout history, you don't have the scientific proofs written down but with Christianity we do. There are very specific statements in Scripture that are plain that can be reproduced. Okay. That the, that the water runs into the sea, but the sea is not filled. Yeah. That the water from the sea goes into the, into the, to the clouds and it rains back on the earth. It's like There's the hydrological cycle. Hydrological cycle. Okay. Uh, that uh, the earth abideth forever, yeah. springtime and harvest. So the tilt of the earth at 22 and a half degrees uh, as it goes around the sun, produces uh, the four seasons. Uh, yeah. And that there are four corners of the earth. Right. North, south, east, and west are four corners. It's not a cube. It's the, those are the four directions. And if you were to quarter up an orange, you would get those cardinal directions of north, south, east, west. Right. So, and, and at the ends of the earth. The uh -huh. earth has ends. Uh -huh. The north and south pole. They have, the, they have, they have points. Yeah. Uh, that all life comes from previous life, after his kind. Genesis repeats that word over and over. It doesn't mention anything about life evolving without some kind of uh, divine uh, intervention. Now, there are theistic evolutionists who, who combine the two, but that makes a mess of both of them. Hi, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. Like what you're seeing? You can find so much more on the Creation Superstore. You'll find over a thousand books, DVDs, and other quality resources on origin science, creation, and Bible history. Whether you're looking for nature documentaries, educational books, homeschool resources, or children's videos, we've got it all, so be sure to head over and check it out. Use this special promo code to receive 10% off your first order. We were talking about when you say life comes from life, there was a common idea, even with ancient Greek philosophers, that life could spontaneously generate from non-life. In other words, mud might birth frogs, or grain, you find a lot of mice, mm -hmm. so obviously the grain was turning into mice, or, uh, you know, flies and dead meat right. uh, go hand in hand, right? So somehow the dead meat was birthing flies. And that was a common theory of the day until this fellow... Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur came along. 1800s, right? Yeah, 1840s and 50s. He, he, uh, he, was, a, he was a very prideful showman. Yeah. And he, he's the one that invented the, the, the immunization technique for, for rabies. He saved the first rabies okay. victim ever. Okay. And he 
uh, said that all life has to come from previous life, and he proved it, and the flasks that he used are still in the Sorbonne. Okay. He sterilized liquid that would, would support bacteria. It would support fungi, ba fungus, bacteria, microorganisms, and then he plugged the stopper with cotton that was impervious to anything getting in there, okay. and then nothing grew. Okay. And he, and he, and he, that, that proves that no life came from that stuff that should have generated mold and fungus and other things. That had to come from a pre-existing cell. And he was a Bible-believing Christian who got his inspiration in meditation and in reading the Bible and in prayer. Okay. Just like Lavoisier, the, the per first person who synthesized oxygen yeah. and later lost his head to the French Revolution in, 17, in the 1790s uh -huh. uh, because he was a clergy also. But he believed the Bible, and he was first synthesized oxygen. People like uh, James Clerk Maxwell, who first united electricity and magnetism, yeah. or his, uh, his, his, his lab friend Humphrey Davy, who was a lab assistant for the first chemist. Those okay. were all born-again Christians. And, they got, and James Clerk Maxwell actually says that he got his inspiration from the Bible. Pascal was the world's most famous mathematician, and he, they found in the lining of his coat his written testimony of his conversion to Jesus Christ and his belief in the literacy of the Bible. Now, some of these people are mentioned in a book that the legendary Henry Morris mm -hmm. wrote called Men of Science, Men of God, and it shows how most of the, the top scientists in the world, those who have discovered some of the some of the things that we still use today, most of them had belief in a creator at least, and many were born-again Christians. That's correct. And of course, uh, Darwin was, was rebelling against being forced into the clergy by his father. That's a, big, that's a different deal. That was just rebellion. But let's think about this for a second. Charles Darwin, he, number one, he wasn't really a trained scientist. He, he observed things, yes. But as you said, he, was, he started studying uh, as a pastor as a preacher, right, and realized that he liked collecting beetles and things like that more than he liked his studies. He started writing a lot of speculative stuff. Why did it catch on so? Well, Aldous Huxley was the big spokesperson for evolutionary theory in the 19th century, and he said that you creationists and you religious people will never win the day. Yeah. We will win the day because Evolution means we don't have a responsibility to God and we are free to do whatever sexual escapades and bizarre things we want because there is no creator to restrain us. And you are putting restraint on people they don't like. Wow. So in other words, this atheistic idea of naturalism, which boils down to they're using evolution to push this atheism on us, is really an attempt ultimately to escape from the power and authority of a creator. Right. And they don't understand that he loves us, and he puts these warning signs in, fr in front of us. Yeah. I had a friend who uh, finally got to use his big brother's bicycle on the top of a mountain in the Carolinas. Okay. And his parents went away, the brother was away, and he got on this bicycle 10 speed going down the hill, and he's going faster and faster, and he was free. He said, I'm free. And then all of a sudden he realized it was out of control, and he wasn't free, he was just loose. Oh, you have wow. to be able to control yourself. You have to have limits. You have to have, that's what we're seeing with the riots and all the things where people act out in, in, in present day. Yeah. They, they have no self-restraint. Well, it isn't really self-restraint. It's the restraint built into us by our creator. Okay. And our enzymes have to be restrained and our, and, and our digestive juices have to not digest us. And our blood has to know when to clot and not clot. There's a lot wow. of calculating involved in this. I like that. So it, it's... It's not free, it's not freedom to escape from the thought of God. It's, it's just that you're running loose, and running loose will ultimately get you killed. Yes. 
And that's, that, that's the curse of Adam. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. In that day, thou shalt surely die if you eat this fruit. Yeah. Which is not there. It wasn't an apple. We don't know what it was. It's not there yeah. anymore. <laughs> the, the common representation but, of an apple. But today, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the internet. Uh -huh. And you need a guide to get on the internet because it uh -huh. will take you places that you aren't capable of handling. And that was Adam's big mistake. He thought he could handle it. He uh -huh. thought he could do it. And he wasn't willing to let God help him with those choices. He didn't realize his dependency on his creator. We don't realize our dependency. So we're right back at the same place that Adam was in the garden. Adam and Eve, the serpent said, you know, what you don't know is as soon as you partake of this, then you're going to have all of this knowledge and power. You're going to become a god yourself. You're going to be like God. Okay. That means you, have, you, get to, you get to choose. It's your turn to choose. Well, what if you don't know how to choose? Right. Somebody it sounds appealing, me, but what if you can't handle it? Turn me loose in a neurosurgical suite. Well, I haven't done any residency in that. I don't know what I'm talking That's, what, that's what, what we're wanting from... To, so if you divorce science and the Bible, okay. if you divorce faith and science, if you, if you separate them, you confine the Christians and the religious people into the superstitious house of church house worship, yeah. and and you and you keep the scientists in objective, vaunted, reliable positions, and it's not that at all. One of the examples that I give in my book, Twenty One Verses Backed by Science, is Matthew Fontaine Maury. You know the story, but basically, an, a naval commander reads Psalm Eight about paths of the seas, mm -hmm. and he gets the inspiration to search out the paths of the seas. So we can actually further science if we start reading the Bible for what it actually says. Now, I'm not saying that there's no poetry in the Bible, not saying that there's no prophecy in the Bible, not saying that it's all science, but everything it says about science is 100% scientifically correct. Right, all work and no play makes Joe a dull boy. Okay. So God gave us the world to enjoy and the science does not take away the enjoyment. Mark Twain always hated it that he could see, he knew what the, what, the, what the colors of a sunset were and it kind of took the mystery of a sunset away. Huh. Henry Morris wrote another book called uh, The Biblical Basis for, uh, uh, for, of Modern Science, for Modern Science, yeah. Bi Biblical Basis for Modern Science, showing these things, the, de the details of them. And we had Henry Morris on the program with John C. Whitcomb, who wrote the one of the landmark books in creation literature called The Genesis Flood. Genesis Flood. <clears throat> and they told us how on that program it was so difficult to get that book published because nobody would do anything other than theistic evolution or some kind of compromise. They wouldn't do pure, the Bible is all true. As a scientist, as a medical doctor, you're saying there's no reason to compromise. No. Now, if you have bad science and bad theology, you're going to get a bad. You're going to get both. Yeah. You can have misunderstandings on both sides. I'm not suggesting. You, you're supposed to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. You should be afraid of lying. You should be afraid. You should, should tremble when you have something you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And in, in James it says, if if any man lack wisdom. Let him ask of God, who giveth liberally and withholdeth not. He doesn't withhold it. Yeah. And Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Hmm. You must first admit you don't know anything. Okay. Then you call unto me first. So we have a, a, a company I do right now called First and Second Medical Opinions. The first <laughs> opinion should be God's, the second opinion should be the doctor's. Mm -hmm. And people come to us with all these horrible, the big C word, yeah. uh, strokes, cancers, uh, infectious diseases that won't go away. Yeah. And we sit down and we invite God into the mes message. We, at, we invite him into the room. He's a person, he's a spirit, and he, and he dwells in the praises of his people. He's not a, a, a physical being, he is a verb. 
The yeah. Father is a verb, the Son is a noun, and the Holy Spirit is a, is a helper word like conjunctions. Huh. So even our very language is Trinitarian. Huh. The universe is Trinitarian. You have, you have neutrons, uh, uh, electrons, electrons, and, 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 and protons. Uh, protons. Yeah. You have three states of matter, solids, liquids, and gases. In time, you have a past, present, and future. Uh -huh. In space, you have height, width, and depth, yeah. or force, mass, and acceleration. However you want, advanced you want to go, yeah. still, it's still the mathematical language of science is what God uses to teach us. And that's what Galileo said. He said that mathematics is the language with which God has written the universe. It, you could get as deep as you want, and you see these patterns. You get as simple as you want. First verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth time, space, and matter. First verse of the Bible. Thank you, Dr. Chuck, for being here, and uh, we will have to have you back on a future program to talk about this some more. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, Good sir. to be here. You know, everything we see around us was created in the beginning with purpose by Jesus Christ. The New Testament tells us that all things were made by Him and for Him. That includes life itself. You know, because of mankind's sin, the life here in this body became only temporary for the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. But on the cross, our Creator Jesus Christ paid that penalty and He has even more to offer. He offers eternal life to those who trust in Him. The book of 1 John tells us that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Now, if you've never received Jesus Christ, you've never truly experienced the life that our Creator wants to provide for you. He wants only the best for you. Won't you trust in Him today? I'm David Reeves and I want to remind you to keep looking up because truly, heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TVN and the Heavens Declare video series. Each week we talk about breaking discoveries in science which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club. This website offers thousands of articles written by scores of authors in multiple languages. Sign up to get our free monthly magazine delivered to your door. Want more? Genesis Science Network is our free 24-7 TV network, reaching millions of people around the world on internet, Roku, Fire TV, and mobile devices. Shop over a thousand books and videos on the Creation Superstore, the world's largest origins-related store. Visit our Wonders of Creation Center and sign up for email updates to have encouraging articles sent straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible.